You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Uh, you know, healthy life, doing well. Um, are you ready for Christmas? Uh, yes and no. Uh, yes, I'm ready to, you know, food, family, all that fun stuff. But um, as far as Christmas shopping, no. <laughs> Christmas shopping? Well, Bruce, it's a little late. It's December 23rd. Christmas Eve is tomorrow. You better get on it. Yeah. Well, everything being shut down the way it is and... I mean, it's not really shut down here, but it's difficult getting a hold of some things around here. Well, you should do what everyone thinks of the uh, the stereotype of the typical Southerner in America. Get on your horse with your gun and just ride down to the local shop and just take care of business. I mean, the, you're not actually wrong in some cases. We do actually have people that do that around here still. Really? You, they'll, oh, yeah. They still have uh, people every once in a while ride in on ride into town on a horse. Yeah. That's actually, I find that fascinating because that's, that's really like, that's a stereotype because I mean, honestly, if you ask any person that's not an American citizen, they really think that people in Texas ride horses everywhere. Like they think they they live in some wild West, you know, shootout. And if, if someone cheats you, you just shoot them kind of thing. Uh, life would be so much simpler if that were the case, but no, it, it's not that way it, anymore. It'd be a lot easier. You, you wouldn't it see would all be. the propaganda. You wouldn't <laughs> be less arguments. Uh, we, we probably wouldn't have seen the voter fraud that we've seen this year either, because uh, they would have been tarred and feathered before we even got close to. Tarred and feathered, fraud. to be honest, is is a bit more humane than uh, than a gunfight out there in the streets like the old West, you know. That's, that's true. I mean, with the stuff that's going on nowadays, um, we would have if this were, I don't know, 100 years ago or so, we would have seen posses forming and there would have been groups of people that have like guns, pitchforks, torches, all that stuff. And they would be hunting them some politicians for the kind of stuff that's going on today. But instead, we, we have people yeah, just true. kick back and sitting around and, oh, I hope the next stimulus check comes in. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that today. I mean, you are not going to believe all the pork barrels in this thing. It's like this bill was like 50, 5,700 pages or something like that, almost a trillion dollars. And it's disgusting. And what are you, the uh, the average citizen, what are you going to get out of it? Well, you're going to get a um, a significant. I mean, it's. Do you think it's a significant amount? I mean, six hundred. That, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of money. I mean, six hundred dollars. That's, that's huge amount of money, right? That that'll is, that'll that pay is, for your. Yeah. That'll pay for yeah. your rent. That'll pay for yep. your groceries. That'll pay. Uh-huh. Oh wait. Keep your utilities it on. Pay for any of that. Uh, it doesn't even pay for rent here in Oklahoma. The median rent here in Oklahoma is seven hundred dollars. It's um, it's it's. I, I don't even know what to say to this. This is what these idiots on the Hill, and I, I mean that with all sincerity. I'm being polite when I say idiots. This is what these idiots on the Hill came up with. This is what you sat there and you argued and you fought over while people are trying to figure out they're sitting around the table in their homes. They're trying to figure out where their money's going to come from because you got everything shut down. And this is what you idiots have come up with. I'm already getting angry. <laughs> all right. Let's start with something a little lighter before we get into that. Okay, um, let's start with I your mean, cro- we- with your cultural appropriation of food that you posted the other day. Uh, yes, uh, this was uh, fun, I guess. 
I, I'm not even sure, and I'm going to be completely honest here. I'm not even sure what cultural appropriation means. Um, so basically, in this case, the cultural appropriation was other cultures' food. Uh, in this case, it was a white woman um, that decided she was going to make a Asian dish, and uh, we can't have that. that, oh, that oh, hold on a minute. I like I like Asian dishes. I like your Euro- I like European dishes. I like uh, American dishes. So you're telling me that, and I like uh, dishes that are, uh, I like Spanish dishes. You're telling me that I'm not allowed to make any of these things anymore? Well, no, no, that that's cultural appropriation. See, it's very similar to what we've been dealing with with Halloween, for example, on um, campuses. Uh, they've been barring you from dressing up as certain people or groups if you're white. And it's the same thing, but with food. Um, the... Uh, woman in question so it's here. Like, it's identity politics for food. Yes, quite literally. She made a uh, dish that looked like um, it, it was kind of a mix between uh, bimbap and a. Uh, let's see here. It was a mix between that and uh, another culture's dish. I'm trying to. I'm trying to look at it here. She made New Zealand beef and lamb, right? And it looked like a Korean dish. The bimbap. And also a mix of Indian food, I believe, or something like that. Uh, or a Japanese, no, it was a Japanese uh, dish. That's what it was. Anyway, whatever the case is, she made it and Instagram went nuts uh, about it. Uh, cultural appropriation. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I, I watched a video, a clip of, of her making it. It looks appetizing. I, I don't. I don't see what the problem is. It's food. Well, it's apparently it's this uh, cultural uh, uh, appropriation or something that you're talking about. I'm trying not to laugh over here because this is just so ridiculous. So l- let me get this straight. Now all of our food has to be politically correct. So th- does this go back to like? I-, I think I'm starting to understand now. Does this go back to the AOC uh, Goya beans or Goya beans uh, Go- Goya foods that yes. this thing? Is that what this goes that, back to? That does that does fit in with that. Yes, um, I believe there was some cultural appropriation or something about that. Um, yeah, basically, if you're white, the only thing you're allowed to eat is mac and cheese. That's it. Like, because apparently white people don't have cultural food. Apparently, well, th- no. Hold on. Hold, 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 hold on a minute. Okay, this is that. No, that's interesting. You say that because okay, if you're. <laughs> How did you say it? If you're white, then you can only eat mac and cheese. Yeah, because you you the according to them, essentially, whites have no cultural no culture. There there's no culture of dishes. There's uh, no okay. right. real hold, culture. Hold on, hold on. So okay, where I am currently, where I'm residing currently, there is no mac and cheese. So how's that going to work? Yeah, yeah. See that that's the thing when you when you want to look at what white culture is. Um, like that's mix up European. Europe. Yeah, look at Europe. Yeah. Hello. Hello. I mean, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I like I mean, Russia. I, I yeah. swear you go to France. You tell me you tell me that that's not some of the best cuisine you've ever had. I, I'm serious. You can you can talk about the French all day long about whatever. It doesn't matter. But when it comes to food, the French know food. You can say what you want yeah. about them. But when it comes to food, those people got it locked down. And, and it's fantastic. Now, I'm not into like all the snails and the uh, the frogs and all that stuff. But uh, anything. I mean, I, I don't like fish, but I mean, that stuff, that's just OK. That's just weird. But uh, the average uh, French dish, uh, it is to use one of their words, magnifique. It's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I like German food. I, I like obviously, well, it's Italian food. How I mean, how can you not like Italian food? I don't mean any disrespect to the UK guys, but I'm not big on British 
cuisine. I, I'm not. I'm not big on that. Now, um, they would their argue, cuisine is kind of bland, isn't it? Uh, a lot of boiled, uh, salted. They would argue to the contrary. The only thing that I really like from uh, the UK is uh, a shepherd's pie. Love shepherd's pie. Are you? You're familiar with that? Yes. I, I am. Yes. Yeah. yeah that I'm. I, yeah. That I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I can do because you can make it so many different ways and, and you can go the traditional route. I mean, I use a recipe that was given to me by uh, a friend of mine who is in Scotland and it's his grandmother's recipe. So I try to follow it as best I can. Although the traditional recipe for a shepherd's pie calls for lamb and sometimes lamb's a little hard to come by so or, or it's a little expensive. So you just kind of have to go with uh, ground beef. Uh, or mincemeat, as 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 they call it in the UK. So you use that, and it becomes something else. It's a different dish at that point. They call it cottage pie at that point. So I, I like either one. Yeah, same. Um, but for, in the case of this um, the chef, um, they were also bashing her for using ingredients from New Zealand instead of sourcing them from local farms. So is that cultural appropriation? <laughs> I'm still trying to that figure one, this one out. Well, that one is actual. Um, I think it's more global warming um, and that kind of thing. Oh, it's sustainable environmental stuff. Yes, got it. Yeah. So it's kind of a mix of the two. So uh, seriously, who, who freaking cares? Like, let chefs go out there and create their own dishes. Let them be creative. Let them use different cultures, ingredients and whatnot. Like, it, that's how you... <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. Like that's the point of being a chef. Be. That's the point of being a chef. C- coming up yeah. with your own dishes and and being creative. You're essentially you're an artist, but it's for that particular uh, field. So your culinary skills allow you to be this creative person and come up with this. I mean, look at some of these specialty restaurants out there, and you go to some of these, or you see some of these um, uh, Michelin three star uh, restaurants. These are chefs that have come up with their own style and their own dishes. And of course, now with everything, I mean, you're going to see them probably go under uh, because of all this, uh, this ridiculous nonsense uh, surrounding COVID. So did you have anything else on cultural, cultural appropriation of food? That's, that's about the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, just on a side note. Well, it fits in with the Great Reset and all that, right? So basically, <laughs> there won't be any more cultural foods because you'll be eating insects and you know oh yes the insect butter and and all that and you'll be eating weeds and and drinking uh unclean water and all the rest of it because water's a human right you see up to a certain amount uh after that you've got to pay a premium for it and if you think i'm joking you're sadly mistaken have you seen these monoliths i have yeah okay what what do you make of those things um i think it's a bunch of bored people going out there trolling i mean that's you got to think that's a lot of bored people in a lot of parts of the world yeah uh, I mean, seriously, you, you see one person do it and how much attention it garners on social media. Um, yeah. Why not go out and do it and get your social media attention as well? I mean, uh, <laughs> I think it's trolling personally. I think okay. it's just people going so out there to. Yeah. You don't think fun. that there's a uh, like a, a larger agenda behind it and, you know, aliens or anything like that. You, you don't believe that? No, no, no. They're too poorly made to be aliens unless, you know, the aliens are like. You know, some of junk, them aren't. You know, so, some of them aren't. I have to be honest with you. I mean, I saw one that popped up on the Isle of Wight, which is in the UK, just across the uh, uh, the way there from um, uh, from where Marty lives, and that is a little bit uh, a little bit different. That one up there was made of a mirror all the way around. It, unless you were actually on top of it, you almost couldn't see it because of the reflections on it. 
that one was actually well done. And I don't know if you've ever seen people that have tried to cut a mirror before. You need some specialized equipment to cut a mirror. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do. Uh, if you're someone that works at a, like a machining uh, facility, obviously you you have that. But I've seen the videos of people putting up and taking down these monoliths. So it you've kind actually of, seen them put it up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. it, it kind of kind of kills the magic when you once you've seen the videos, mm-hmm. if you will. But well, I've, I've even, seen people taking them down, but I've not seen anyone put them up. That's that's new to me. Yeah. So if seriously, if this were not someone out having fun, if this were really aliens and whatnot, um, I think we would be seeing more to this than just a monolith without any kind of language markings or or you know technology associated with it in some way. Instead. These are just fun little distractions. With these things, throwing those into the mix, and then, of course, everything else we're seeing with uh, the UFO sightings, I'm doing the air quotes, UFO sightings and all of that stuff. Do you actually believe that uh, they're they're preparing people for some kind of a uh, of an announcement? I mean, I, I have my own suspicions on it. And I mean, you can call that what you want, but I think it's just a bunch of people that are looking to um, distract people, if you will. They're, they're looking to just throw another uh, wrench in the works and just stuff to confuse people and throw you off. That's my opinion. Now, whether this stuff actually exists or not, I, I don't know. I'm not someone that believes in this, you know, green skin, gray skin, whatever, uh, big headed alien things. I, I don't believe in that nonsense. What I do find inconceivable is that we are the only sentient life in the galaxy. I've always said that. Now, does that mean that I believe in all this other stuff? No. But I find it very difficult to believe that that we're the only solar system that's actually uh, inhabitable. And to be honest, scientifically, we've proven that there are other habitable worlds, correct? Correct. Um, Or or some that fit in the Goldilocks zone, which is... Mm -hmm. Basically, where Earth is currently, that that's the Goldilocks zone. We found other other planets that would be in a similar location for their star, and they they do appear to be rock, and they do appear to have a nitrogen atmosphere, nitrogen oxygen. So it's possible. Uh, there's other other life forms out there. Uh, do I think the sightings and the the monoliths and the the or the all the no, I, I don't I don't personally think those are aliens. Um, these the sightings, do I think those are aliens? Sort of. Uh, let's just say it's chaos. And we'll put it at that. That is, it's more of a, a distraction, a, um, yeah, chaos. Well, this is, uh, this is interesting. Alien hunters have detected a mystery signal coming from the closest star system to us, which is uh, Proxima Centauri, correct? That's, that's mm-hmm. the one? Okay. Uh, astronomers hunting for radio signals from alien civilizations, I'm not making this up, we actually have funded groups to do this, uh, yep. have detected an intriguing signal from the direction of Proxima Centauri, which is the, that is the next closest system to us. Now, they don't have any habitable planets in that system, do they? Um, so they have one planet that is slightly bigger than Earth that is rock. Now... Anything more on that, on the details on that, I don't know. Um, is it inhabitable? Maybe. I mean, some of the theorized, um, you know, science fiction, one of the closest aliens in Star Trek, the Vulcans, were actually on a desert planet. So it's very possible that it's um, a, a planet that's um, 
somewhat desolate and maybe life form evolve life forms evolve to live there i don't know and the other one the other one i believe is a gas giant and that one would be difficult to so, uh yeah no no life there. Any, okay yeah uh, it says researchers are still preparing a paper on the discovery and the data has not been made public, but the signal is reportedly a narrow beam of 980 megahertz radio waves detected in April and May of uh, 2019 at the Parkes Telescope in Australia. Uh, that's part of a $100 million breakthrough listen project to hunt for radio signals from technological sources beyond the solar system. The 980 megahertz signal appeared once and was never detected again. The frequency is important as the Scientific American points out that the band of radio waves is typically lacking signals from human-made craft and satellites. So what does this actually mean? Well, it means um, we detected a narrow band frequency of 980 megahertz that's really all it means as far as what it uh what it is we don't know they haven't released the data what they did say in the article was it did actually have a shift uh when they were um receiving the signal or or noticed it which suggests that it was a, a gravitational pull from a planet so it could have been that you know for example it was a satellite and it came within you know was moving around a planet and it, I don't, I don't know, the, the, the gravitational pull of the planet or maybe their Jupiter-like planet got in the way or close to and caused a shift. I don't know. Um, the other thing it could have been, it could have, this literally could have been just a solar flare from their star. I find it absolutely fascinating that we're able to figure this stuff out. Like we can detect this stuff and and we can make assumptions based on those those particular waves. I, I find that interesting. I mean, the, the latest ones that we've heard about, this is the closest one, but the latest one we've heard about was the one that was like, what was it, 3 billion light years away or something? Well, yeah, something like that. Uh, you, you're talking about the wow signal? The, uh, the fast radio signals or whatever it is, the FRSs or whatever they called them. Mm -hmm. So it could have been a, uh, a star or whatever that went uh, supernova all those years ago. Uh, or went over all those years ago and, and collapsed oh, on yeah, itself. Yeah. And we're just now finding out about it all this time later. Yeah. I mean, that's actually a good point, by the way. The um, the stars that we see right now could actually be dead currently. Some of the stars that we see in the sky. And the reason that they could be dead now is when you're billions of light years away from Earth, or you know, even millions, it takes light that long to get here. We could be seeing the light from stars that are have long since died off. You know, a That's million years ago, they could have died, That's but we're still going to see the light for another million years. It almost seems like a time warp or something, doesn't it? I mean, that's crazy to think about because yeah, the, yeah, the really star's is. already dead, but we haven't it, like time hasn't caught up with it yet. So we haven't seen it. It's just as strange. It's strange to think about because you only see that stuff in like sci-fi stuff. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, echoes we, uh, and yeah. Yeah, we uh, we decided that we were going to change the format up a little bit this week for the few days that we were here because of Christmas. And we wanted to kind of mix in a little bit of like what we do on the morning show plus what we're going to do in the afternoon. So we're not doing an afternoon show this week. We're not or excuse me. We're not doing a morning show this week. We're doing an afternoon show, but we're kind of this week. We wanted to change the format a little bit and kind of slam the two together. So that's why we're talking about a little bit of uh, off topic stuff here like this. So I, I like these conversations about these uh, these things that are non-political. Uh, and I say that, but I'm about to uh, to get into some political stuff. Deborah Burks, you know, the scarf lady, uh, Dr. Deborah. I'm not sure what she's a doctor of, but uh, she says that um, she's um, she, she's come under a little bit of fire and, and she's she's a little she's the victim in all this. You see, um, she she, uh, she visited her own family and she broke covid uh, lockdown protocols in quarantine because uh 
well, she wanted to, I guess. And she was the one that suggested we do the uh, the travel restrictions in the first place. And so now she's become the latest person that's fallen into this um, this uh, hypocritical, uh, I guess, um, group of people that's uh, the likes of which we have Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom of California. I made a bad mistake. And many, many others, supervisors, party, you know, political party members, things like that. I mean, see, these are the elites. These are the privileged ones. They live their lives and you don't. And so, I mean, they have a, a public image to keep up with, and they, they have to live their lives. Bill de Blasio, for example, the uh, the communist mayor of New York, he said that uh, he's in government and he has to, I mean, this is why he still goes to the gym, because he's in government and he has to be healthy. And you're not supposed to be, you slob, you, you're not supposed to be healthy, but he is. I mean, he's, he's, in, uh, he, he's in government, you see. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she cares about her hygiene. She's in public. She uh, she she cares about her hygiene. She has to get a haircut, uh, but but you can't. Uh, you can't do that. And you're not allowed to open your your salon. You're not allowed to open your barbershop, your business. No, you, you can't do that. So she's the latest one. As COVID-19 cases skyrocketed before the Thanksgiving holiday, Dr. Deborah Burks, coordinator of the White House Coronavirus Response, warned Americans to be vigilant and limit your celebrations to your immediate household. But the day after Thanksgiving, she traveled to one of her own vacation properties on Fenwick Island in Delaware. She was accompanied by three generations of her family from two households. Burks, her husband, whatever his name is, uh, daughter, son-in-law, and two young grandchildren were present. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention has asked Americans not to travel over the holidays and discourages indoor activity involving members of different households. So you just have Christmas and Thanksgiving outside. That's all you have to do. But if you go inside, change everything you do about that. Change everything you do about that. What Bruce, what was it that Michelle Obama said? All those years ago on the campaign trail, do you do you remember what that was? Some hmm. something about we had to change things. Did did, did you? Yeah. Do you, do you something that? about culture and tradition. Uh huh. Something. Uh, so, like something that. Yeah. I, it must have been. So I I think I think let's well let's just hear it. And Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We are going to have to change our conversation. Okay. Uh, we're going to have to change our traditions, uh-huh. our history. We're uh-huh. going to have to move into a different place uh-huh. uh, as a nation to provide uh-huh. the kind of future that we all want desperately for our children. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And he is the man to do it. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So I have to ask: Are we there? Are, are we there? That was back in 2008. Uh, uh, th- that was, I mean, are we there? That was 12 years ago. Pretty, pretty dang close. I mean, we're on that road. COVID has definitely helped out, which, by the way, uh, I just like to point out, Burks was actually appointed by Obama. Yes, uh, she was. Uh, even in Burks's everyday life, there are challenges meeting that standard that she broke here. She and her husband have a home in Washington. She also owns a home in nearby Potomac, Maryland where her elderly parents live and her daughter and family live, and where Burks visits intermittently. In addition, the children's other grandmother, who is 77, also regularly travels to the Potomac houses and returns to her 92-year-old husband near Baltimore. See, she had to. She had to. Now, you you can't do this, but see, she she had to. Well, I mean, she's exempt, right? She, she knows what's safe and what's not safe because, you know, she's part of the coronavirus task force. So clearly she knows what's good and what's not and what's acceptable. And, you know, clearly she just went and met with her immediate family anyway. Right. Uh, That's that's all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, uh, I mean, according to her, she 
which, by the way, she's declined to make any kind of a comment or give an interview or anything on on that at all. Um, she insisted that the purpose of her fifty-hour uh, visit was to deal with the winterization of the property before a potential sale. You see, so it was an essential place to go. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. she. I mean, she While has. To, she has a. Wine. She has. Yeah, she has a busy schedule. She has a really busy schedule, and so she had to do this. She said, though. In all fairness, she said that uh, she did not want to go to Delaware for the purpose of celebrating Thanksgiving. But while she was there, I mean, <laughs> she celebrated. She she celebrated it while she was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, since, since she was there anyway, right? I mean, she she went up there for another reason. Well, see, here's the thing: if this were any other year, if there, if this was any other situation, fine. You know, enjoy yourself. Go have fun with your family. Enjoy it. Right. But you're telling everybody to shut down. You're telling everybody not to go to the holidays. You're telling everybody to lock themselves in their homes and wear a mask at home while you bedazzle your others. Uh, No, I'm sorry. No. Uh, These these people, these people are are absolutely disgusting. Do you you understand when I say and and I mean this with all sincerity, these are losers. These are losers. They are failed doctors. They're failed politicians. They're they're losers. They have done nothing with their lives. They're sad, pathetic, miserable, nihilistic trash. That's all they've ever been. And now they've gotten just a little bit of taste of what it's like to have some power over you. And they are lapping it up. And on top of that, they're laughing at you. That's what makes it even worse is they don't live by their own standards. They're losers. They're pathetic. Speaking of being a loser and being pathetic, Bruce, your favorite governor, Governor Andrew Cuomo, who has been since banned by the New York City restaurateurs who have come together and said that he is no longer allowed in their their establishments as long as they're open for the rest of his life. So it's a lifetime ban. He has now come out and said that Santa is going to be good to him because he works so hard. So during a briefing, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo touted his expectation that Santa will be very good to him this year, seeing as how hard he's worked in in all of the uh, all the aspects of dealing with uh, this crisis this year. Now, I, I have to admit he is right when he says that he's worked hard. I think he has worked hard. I mean, when you kill a whole mess of people like that, that's uh, that's working hard. Yeah, it takes a lot of effort to kill all those people. Yeah. Uh, so so healthy holiday. Uh, and I'm going to have a great. Now, this is I'm quoting him. He says, so healthy holiday and I'm going to have a great one. Santa is going to be very good to me. I can tell I've worked hard this year. Social distance, wear a mask, be smart, be smart. That's his message to you, Bruce. What do you think? Well, um, you know, I, I know he's worked so hard, especially writing that book. And going around doing yeah. that, um, yeah. uh, you know, the book tour and um, and those press conferences every day. Th- those press yeah, and conferences, the, and the press day. conferences. That's yeah. And then celebrating uh, his um, wild success of defeating the the virus. Um, and and so he won the the International Emmy Founders Award. Yes, yes. So uh, I mean, I, I know he's been busy and it's been hard on him, and but uh, you you know what? He just needs to be tired and feathered. And then while he's after that process is done, he needs to be thrown in prison for the rest of his life. I'm being nice. I'm being really generous there. I'm being well, you very, have to be because we're under terms yeah. of service. So you have to be nice. Yeah, I, I am because, well, I was going to say it was actually because of the holidays and it's Christmas. I was just going to throw him in prison for life. And, you know, mm-hmm. 
But um, that that's Santa treating him well, in my opinion, is he just gets life. Well, they're saying here that uh, some of it, they, and they note some of his hard work here. As part of his hard work this year, Cuomo demanded that thousands of people in the service industry be out of work only two weeks before Christmas. I mean, that's 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 hard work. Uh, this was because the restaurant industry caused, are you ready for it? 1.4% of the spread of the coronavirus in New York City. Uh, most of the spread of the virus, uh, 74%, is a result of private gatherings in people's homes. Cuomo has emphasized that people should not get together for the holidays, though he himself plan to gather with people whom he does not reside with at Thanksgiving. So, I mean, that was okay. Except for his daughter. His daughter wasn't there, I think. Uh, and then, of course, did you hear what happened to the guy that she was dating? No. He got reassigned in his job up to the Canadian border. Oh, hmm. I wonder if that really actually is what happened or if he just said that to Don't know. Off. Don't know. Hmm. Uh, better that than a fishing trip, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Cuomo won an international Emmy for his daily coronavirus briefings, and perhaps that he feels that Santa's been tuning in and will reward him just like all the celebrities have. Yeah. Do you remember he was having his birthday party? Yeah, we covered it here uh, last week. He's, yeah. He was putting on the birthday yeah. party with Robert De Niro and, and Henry Winkler and Ben Stiller and, and a few others. Yeah. With all of that. And then, of course, you have the nursing home deaths. He, he's responsible for thousands of those uh, in all those nursing homes with his failed policy uh, of returning COVID positive patients back into those facilities. While the facility administrators were saying, you've got to stop this. We can't be taking these people. And so you've got to stop this. You've got to stop this now. And he just didn't care. So, yeah, he's working hard. To be honest with you, I don't know if he's going to get a lump of coal in his stocking this year. Uh, I mean, that's not the only lump he'd be getting. But, uh, yeah, honestly, he he says that he didn't even know that that was the policy, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he, he didn't know. Uh, I mean, it, just a side note, his name's on the bottom of the order in ink. So, I mean. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did sign it. Yeah, he, he signed it himself. So, so. yeah. But I mean, in all fairness, he, he signs so many things. You know, he's, he's a busy man. He's a busy man. He's working hard. He's working hard, Bruce. He's got he's got Santa looking. All right. Checking that list, seeing if he's naughty or nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Do you watch Fox News ever? Years ago, I watched it like once. Some bad things went down on election night. We covered it. They called some mm -hmm. states when they shouldn't have called them. And Arizona was the big thing there. I mean, what they have like 11% of the vote in and they called it for uh, for Biden. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. a stupid joke. So now they're a little bit nervous over there at Fox News. You want to know why they're nervous? Because they've had a 40% ratings collapse since election night. Wait, wait, wait. So you mean to tell me that the, 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 the people that they urinated upon are no longer watching their channel? That's something like that. Yeah, oh. so, something like that. Um, Crazy. Yeah, uh, Eric Balling, who is a former host, uh, he is now a uh, Sinclair TV host. He explained at the uh, the Turning Point convention, which I'm not going to get into that, but he says that Fox News employees are unsure how to turn their ratings around. Well, let's see. Uh, let's start with uh, don't cave into the, uh, the the liberal Murdoch people. Can we start there? That, I mean, that's that's a pretty good indication of where I would like to start. Don't toe the line. Be a journalist. Stand for something. These people stand for nothing as it is now. 
So he says, Eric Bowling, he says, here's what happened. Let's be honest. I can talk about this. Yeah, he can talk about it. He's not working there anymore. He says, Donald Trump on November 3rd, Fox declared Biden the winner in Arizona, which is exactly what happened with 11% of the vote. The Trump base went ballistic. He said that most people looked at that and said, I'm not watching Fox News. So what they do, they switched they started going on uh, on other networks. They went to Newsmax. They went to One America News. They went to America's Voice, all these networks, because they're independent. They're independent journalists, uh, journalists doing the work. Fox lost 40% of their audience. He says, I still have friends there, and they say that they are very, very nervous about it, and they don't know how to turn it around. I mean, look, if you're going to tell lies and capitulate to the mob, uh, yeah, you, you should lose your business. I mean, people should leave. You know, there, there is probably I, I think there's only one person left over there that I can actually see that they're doing legitimate work and, and putting in the effort themselves. And that's Tucker Carlson. That's the only one. Mm-hmm. It's the only one. Hannity lost cause. Ingram lost cause. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Ingram ran something the other night about Trump's triumphs and uh, it was a great run. Now it's time to move on. Uh, lady, this isn't over. You of all people should know that. You're a smart woman. I don't know what they're feeding you there behind the scenes, but this is not over. So I got some of the uh, the ratings here. Neil Cavuto, right, which he was one of the guys, as soon as Kaylee McEnany said something in the press briefing about election fraud, Cavuto says, oh, well, we're going to have to pull away from that because uh, these are just baseless allegations and, and nothing to back it up with. And and we can't uh, we can't in good conscience uh, continue to show you this uh, with these these baseless allegations that are being said. OK, so guess what, Cavuto, your ratings have crashed. He had two point one million viewers in August. By November, he has less than half of that. So he's down to uh, right around a million. The five, which is the uh, the, the soccer mom network that's in, on the first thing in the morning, also suffered a big loss going from three point seven two million uh, in August to um million in November, which is about a loss of almost uh, 900,000. Brett Baer, Mr. Toupe, oh yeah, suffered a significant decline of 1.139 million, 3.256 million in August to 2.1 million in November. Martha McCollum, don't even know who that is. She lost 50% of her audience, was 3.2 million, it's down to 1.6 million. Tucker Carlson took a hit. He was at 5.7 million in August. He's now down to 3.4 million. So he lost 2.2 million viewers. Hannity, Sean Hannity, his viewership went from 6.8 million to 2.8 million. That means almost 4 million people left his show. Do we see a problem here? Laura Ingram, she was at 4.8 million and she's now down to 2.1 million. She lost 2.7 million viewers. Do, Do we see a problem here? Do you see what endorsing this uh, this corruption gets you. The people, in my opinion, when you look at these ratings, people see through this. They're not buying the media line anymore, Fox included. You people are a disgrace. You're a disgrace. How can you in good conscience? I mean, I would leave the network. That's me because I have integrity and I stand for something. I, I don't care if you give me some book deal, if you give me some, uh, I, I don't know, $5 million fat cat contract. What the hell good's that going to be when the money collapses, you idiots? What's that? What good's that going to do you? You can't buy someone like me. You can't buy real Americans. You can't buy people from the grassroots. You can't buy your integrity either. Once you've lost your integrity and people no longer trust you, that's it. You're you're done. Like you you have to earn that back. You can't buy it back. This is precisely why I take what we do around here, even though we're a small outfit. I mean, this is why I say that all we have is our integrity. We're, We're not we're not in this for money. This is about so much more than that. 
I like to think that we're up here fighting for something that we believe in, something that's real, something that's true, something that's traditional. And we're giving a voice to all the people out there that listen to us. And thank you all very much for that. It's very humbling to know that you you tune into a couple of guys that, I mean, really, we, <laughs> we're just voicing our opinion. But apparently it resonates with a lot of you. Otherwise, you wouldn't listen. So I like to think that we're giving a voice to people that do listen from all over the world. It's not just America we're talking about here, though our biggest audience is in the U.S., obviously. But it is about your integrity. All you have is your integrity, as you said, Bruce. That's not for sale. That is not for sale. You can't buy someone like me. You can't buy someone like Bruce. You can't buy someone like Marty or GP or any of the rest of them. If you're going to sell out, have fun. Have fun. Because guess what? This right here, this is going to this is going to be your downfall. You have to stand for something real. People are tired of the fake nonsense. You want the fake nonsense to be popular? Then go live in a city where it's a collapsing hellhole. How about that? Go go live there. The cities aren't actually faring all that well. Let's take San Francisco, for example. And I wish GP was in here to talk about this, but he's not. San Francisco. San Francisco was on self-destruct for, I'd say, years before all this, right? The bums, the drugs, all of it, the homeless, the drugs, everything. It was on self-destruct before all this, this lockdown stuff. All right, uh, Bruce, I, I want to run. You like statistics. I want to run some of these numbers past you. OK, OK. A record 621 people have died in San Francisco this year. Do you want to take a guess as to what they've died of? Well, I would say COVID probably, but you would say COVID. OK, you would be incorrect. Mm-hmm. You would be incorrect. Mm-hmm. A record 621 people this year in San Francisco alone have died of drug overdoses. OK, now. How many people, in your opinion, now that's a, that's a record, 621 people have died of drug overdoses in San Francisco this year so far, okay? So we're a good year into this uh, th- this COVID, uh, whatever this is. Do you want to take a guess how many deaths they've had of COVID in the city this year as compared to 621? I, I, I would say at least 621, but... Uh... 173. Mm. Interesting. So that's actual deaths from COVID and not deaths with COVID. Uh, that that part it doesn't say. I, I'm assuming that most of those would be comorbidity because that's what we're mostly seeing. Yeah, yeah. Why isn't that statistic reported? You, you want to talk about a mainstream media that's that's losing credibility? Where where's that? Where's where are those numbers being put to the people? Where where's a, a so-called journalist standing up on television calling this out for the fraud that it is? San Francisco, a lot of people don't know this. San Francisco never reopened. They've been locked down since last year. 621 people died of a drug overdose in San Francisco this year, a staggering number that far outpaces 173 deaths from COVID in the city this year. See, but they, they, they can't get a hold of drugs because drugs are illegal. So clearly. Oh, yes. They're, they're having the drugs delivered to them by the uh, by the city officials. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's going on. That, that's actually going on. They're putting them up in hotels. They're putting them up in uh, uh, in empty apartment buildings. And they're saying, just call room service. We'll have the uh, the drugs and the alcohol delivered to you because we don't want you out there spreading COVID. So um, we'll, just call us and we'll bring it to you. It's OK. So you can get anything you want. You can get your heroin. You can get your cocaine. You can get your meth, whatever you need. Th- this is the degeneration of Western civilization at its core, just like this. This is what brings civilization down. Lockdowns are what are killing things, not COVID. It's not COVID. Many people have overdosed in low-income apartment buildings, like I said, and city-funded hotel rooms for homeless, for the homeless. Others died on sidewalks, in alleyways, and in parks around the city. Despite the deaths, the government continues to hand out some 5.8 million syringes a year to drug users. Oh, yes, that needle exchange program has been a great success, hasn't it? 
Y'all, that's been that's been absolutely fantastic. Five point eight million is that a year, said? a year. Good grief! I'm surprised uh-huh. that the overdose is as low as it is. All you have to do, Bruce, is look at who funds those groups and figure out where that money comes from, and you see how much money's involved in the the uh, the NGOs raking that cash off and giving it to the politicians. Unbelievable, unbelievable the amount of money there. I'm I'm going to take a wild guess and say Soros has his hand in there somewhere. Oh uh, yeah, he well he's one of the main drivers behind uh, the decriminalization of drugs across the board. Mm-hmm. All that stuff going on in Oregon. Who do you think's responsible for that? Same thing with the uh, recreational use of marijuana. Those initiatives that are in places like uh, Colorado, places that are in California and other states, Oregon, he's behind that. that. That's him funding that. Other areas of the state have seen a spike in drug use and overdoses amid lockdowns, including L.A. County. Again, I wish GP was in here. Uh, mm-hmm. In 2013, in the county, fentanyl accounted for 3% of drug-related deaths at the start of 2020. 42% of drug deaths were fentanyl-related in that area, uh, in the area. And that number jumped to 51% when lockdowns were enacted in March. Which, again, what did we say? Overdoses, anxiety, depression, suicides, off the charts. The lockdowns are what are killing people, not COVID. All right. The last part of this, last thing I want to get into today. Uh, let's get into this uh, this COVID spending bill. Mm, yes. <laughs> I. Oh man, this is this is absolutely. We're we're just gonna like I said, this is a five thousand page bill, and so we're not gonna get into all of it uh, because to, to do that would just be. Uh, I mean, there's no way you could there, there's no way you could cover that. No way you could cover that. But we've got some of the best stuff here that we're gonna go over. Uh, now hey, remember, go ahead. They were they were given six hours. To read that, six, by the way. Six hours to read 5,000 pages. Yeah. Uh, and, and we voted for it. Why? Well, because you, you passed the bill to see what's in the bill. And the woman who said that says that $600 for a working person, that is a significant amount. That That's a significant amount. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which so, you mentioned towards the beginning of this, that uh, how much mm-hmm. that'll That'll get you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll it, it'll cover, especially if you've been locked down for, I mean, if you haven't worked in uh, in almost a year, then 600. I mean, that's a significant amount. That, that's a lot of money. Maybe if it was 1909, it might be a lot of money. But let's look at these ridiculous pet projects, because that's what all this crap seems to be is pet projects. $900 billion in this stimulus package, 5,000 whatever pages, 5,700 something pages. They were given six hours to read it. And these idiots passed it. The, these these sick psychotics passed this. Oh, hell. Well, we don't have the money. Well, what do you do? Uh, you just you know how you pay for it, Bruce. You just do. You just do. You just print what you need. Um, is okay. So just, just for clarification, isn't it 900 billion is just the COVID, uh, bill, the other spending stuff that they had, wasn't it like 1.4 or 1.6? Yeah. Something, something like that. Yeah. There was some other stuff mixed up in there. Yeah. Yeah. But the 900 was a COVID-19 stimulus bill. It was rolled into a consolidated appropriations package, which we'll go over some of that here in just a second. So you're going to get a $600 check for each adult and dependent. Uh, This time, however, mixed status households where eligible citizens live with illegal immigrants will not only receive payments, they can retroactively claim benefits after being left out of the last round. So if you didn't get a payment the last time from being a non-citizen, then you can claim uh, retroactive status and you can get two payments this time. So you can get the 1200 plus the 600 but you, the lowly citizen, you're only going to get 600 which is, again, is a significant amount. What an insult. Isn't it? 
It's like kicking you in the guts while you're already down. The bill also includes $300 per week in enhanced unemployment benefits and would extend unemployment to 50 weeks for both state and federal programs versus the 26-week standard. And now... On to the pork. Let's let's get to the pork. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, th- this is the good stuff. This this is what we do this for, which includes billions to foreign countries. We'll get into that in just a second. U.S. military weapon purchases, which go above and beyond their budgets. $40 million to the Kennedy Space Center and nearly $200 million so that federal HIV AIDS workers overseas can buy cars and car insurance. So, all right, let's uh, let's get into the, the meat and potatoes of this, okay? A minimum of $3.3 billion in grants to Israel. Okay, that's that's first. Which, why, why are we sending money to Israel? You, you said you were actually okay with that one. Why, why are we sending money at $3.3 billion to Israel? Because um, largely they spend that money on like defense and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. we the reason I say it's okay is... We kind of played a big part in creating Israel, and um, the, the the turmoil that's happening there is kind of our fault to a degree. So instead of having an, an entire nation, an entire people being annihilated, um, I, I kind of feel like, you know, maybe we should continue to help defend them. I kind of feel that way about Ukraine as well, just because we have treaties with them. But there's other stuff going on that I'm, I, I question whether or not the, the money is going to actually be used for anything and, you know, important. Yeah. The, the Ukraine thing, uh, look, I, I'm not on board with, with funding uh, any country. I mean, until we can sort our own financial house out, we need to cut all foreign aid. I mean, zero. I, I would have zeroed that out 10 years ago. Uh so th- this giving uh, $3.3 billion, uh, to Israel, you know, the Israelis have airfields full of, of fighter jets that they just shine up. They don't actually use them very often. We're giving a whole bunch of money to them. And I understand they're an ally and all that stuff. I get it. I, I really do get it. Uh, we do have a, a treaty with them to defend them if and when something pops off. I get it. But we don't need to be paying for their military. They're fully capable of doing that themselves. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that's where I stand on it. But I, I'm not against being an ally with them. Absolutely not. I mean, we, we should support them, but not in the matters of finance, because we're, let's be honest, we're broke. <laughs> so until we can figure this stuff out for ourselves, I don't think we need to be sending any money anywhere because we can't seem to get our own house in order, which uh, I mean, where, where are my manners? $600 is a significant amount. Mm. Also included is $453 million to the Ukraine on top of the $400 million that Trump eventually released. Now, here's the question. How much of that is going to go to the big guy? Do you know? I, I don't. And how you much don't? of that is going? Uh, how much is that going to um, the Ukrainian DOJ, which the Obama administration created? So that's the problem. It's a it's a really corrupt country. And the last administration was responsible for most of it. Uh, mm-hmm. but that's another podcast. Ten million dollars. This OK, this is where it gets interesting. So that that's the foreign aid to the, the to, to the two uh, countries we were really kind of for, but not for, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Ten million dollars for gender programs in Pakistan. Uh, I'm not quite sure how that works. Uh, I'm, <laughs> you got me on that one. Uh, Ten million dollars. OK, uh, 1.3 billion to Egypt. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know why we're supporting Egypt. The last guy that we had in there that uh, that was an ally of ours, Mubarak, uh, Obama overthrew him with the State Department and Hillary Clinton. So mm. why are we giving him money? $700 million to Sudan. Again, why? $135 million to Burma. $85.5 million to Cambodia. Why are we sending money to Southeast Asia? $1.4... Yeah, that is, that is a damn good question. $1.4 billion for an... Asia Reassurance Initiative Act and $130 million to Nepal. But again, 
as, as I said, $600 is a significant amount. <laughs> I, I'm just <laughs> just saying. So uh, let's move on to the uh, to the military spending. $4 billion for Navy weapons procurement. $2 billion for the Space Force. $2 billion for Air Force missiles, which, okay, I mean, to, to be honest, I mean, we, we do need to increase our stockpile just a little bit, maybe, maybe just mm. a little bit. But I mean, that's for defense spending. That's a defense spending bill. That should be a separate bill, not this. Yeah, agreed. Bureaucratic bonanza and other malarkey is what this is being called. $208 million to upgrade the Census Bureau's computer systems. I don't like the census at all anyway. I, I think it's a joke. It's turned into a joke. Uh, they don't need to be... Like th- those little, yeah, well, yeah, it's, I, I can go on and on about the, the census, but we're, we're almost out of time. So I need to move, move here. $40 million to the Kennedy Space Center for fun. Oh, okay. D- didn't you say that we, we just sent them money? We did. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we sent them money as, uh, in the last relief bill. And we sent them another 40 million. I mean, going to space is expensive and all. I get it. It's not just like taking a flight to, to New York or something. I understand. But I mean, we, that, again, that should be another spending bill in and of itself. Not not rolled up into this uh, and funding to discourage teenagers from drinking and hooking up. Uh, OK, do, do you know that the do, do you know the statistic you quoted the other day, Bruce, the um, uh, the suicide statistic? It was 100. What do you say? It was 147 percent higher. Yeah, it was up quite a bit. Yeah. And that was the demographic of 18 to 25. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're sending out money for funding to discourage teenagers from drinking and hooking up. I think we need to start something in the manners of suicide awareness instead, possibly. Could, could we look at that? Uh, I, I mean, something like that or even, um, well, I don't know, maybe opening things back up and allowing the, the that age group to interact with other human beings like they need so that we can reduce those things. That's partly why they're suicidal and um, seeking alcohol and whatnot. It's because you guys are screwing their lives over by locking down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. New normal, Bruce, new normal. I mean, yeah. if it saves just one life, if it saves just one life, if one person is saved from from the uh, the tragedy of, of COVID, you know, which by the way, this is the U.S. is, according to, uh, to Drudge, I don't know what the hell's going on over there, but uh, according to Drudge, this is the deadliest year that the U.S. has ever seen. Uh, which we, we just talked about that with GP. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Our numbers are actually down. Our, our death numbers yeah. are actually down. $193 million for federal HIV AIDS workers to buy cars and car insurance overseas and for a feminist museum. I'm not exactly sure what a feminist museum is, but maybe after they build it, I will go and check it out. Yeah, that's assuming it's going to get built. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure with, you know, restrictions and everything. I mean, that, that's the other thing. All this money is being sent to all these people to to buy all this stuff. And it's like you're, you're shut down because of COVID. So yeah. what's all this like? You, the Middle East is in an economic crisis. We're in an economic crisis. Our businesses are being bankrupted by by out of control losers and dictators and despots. And this is supposed to somehow write all this. And, and the U.S. is paying for this. The, the U.S. taxpayer is paying for this now. This one, I, I think that, OK, this is a justified expense, I, ha- I have to admit. Funding for a commission to educate consumers about the dangers associated with using or storing portable fuel containers or f- flammable liquids near an open flame. Uh, I, you know something? If you're dumb enough to do that, uh, you should win the Darwin Award. It's about like the woman with the alligator, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, the I, center. Go ahead. We, we seriously. Quit coddling people so much like that with with these 
uh, I, I don't know, man. It's it's a waste of money. It's when you cuddle people like this and, and you, I don't know, maybe it's their agenda because it just makes people dumber. It makes people, maybe that's what they want. They, they just, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. it's the... And, and by the way... Yeah, this this is also included. Uh, twenty six point four million dollars uh, to remain available until September thirtieth of twenty twenty two for the uh, uh, the JFK Center for the Performing Arts. Oh yes, yes, of course. Uh, yeah, didn't we? Yeah. And this is this is for necessary expenses for the operation, maintenance, and security. You see, that's that's what it's for. Why is the government even funding that anyway? You know, I, I've always said that if if government, uh, if you're out there, you receive. Let's say you're you're an artist, okay? Let, let's say you're you're an artist or you're a performer or whatever, and you receive government grants for what you do. Then understand this: you're no longer an artist or a performer. You're now a propagandist. That's what you are. Because the government gets what they pay for. So if you don't do things up to their standards for whatever is being promoted, then you don't get paid. Well, guess what? You're a propagandist. You're not an artist. Art is something that has died, died a long time ago. Uh, and it's a shame. That, that executive order we were talking about off recording. Um, yeah. Making, uh, OK. Know, yeah, it's a little different. Well, yeah. That, yeah, that's that's a little different. I mean, that, that I think it's a little different because we're, we're lo- well, OK. Yeah, we, I tell you what, we'll talk about that on Monday when, when we get back from the holiday. We'll, t- we'll talk about that. That's an interesting thing uh, because I, I see that type of architecture over here. And and to be honest, I, you can't like you don't see that. You, you don't see that anymore. And I think it's something that that has to come back. But I mean, I would rather see it done naturally. But due to the political correctness, I don't think we're going to see it done. So you're going to have to you're going to have to mandate it. So. Or, or you could go about it through a, a tax credit, maybe. Okay, well, we'll give you a tax break if you build this building and you do it like this. Maybe, I, I don't know, incentivize people to do it naturally. Maybe, I don't know. We'll talk about that on Sunday. But again, again, $600 is a significant amount, don't you think? Mm. Um, so if you're, if you're like a 12-year-old, sure. Yeah. Now we, we've got we've got Speaker Pelosi. We've got her here. She is uh, sh- she's mentioned it. Now, didn't you say that she made a statement prior to this back in 2018? What was she talking about in 2018? Um, so the tax cuts that were done back in 2018 that I believe it was like sixteen hundred dollars or something like that was was the average. Uh huh. And these are the Trump tax cuts. These were the Trump tax cuts. Um, I think it went up to like 2500 as well was the high end of it. And she was saying that these bonuses that workers were getting that were- They were about $1,000, about $1,000. Yeah. Um, she was saying that they were just crumbs and it was um, insignificant, basically. So if you got $1,000 in tax credits in 2018 from the Trump tax cuts, then she said that that was basically crumbs and it was pathetic. More or less. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't good enough, basically. But six hundred dollars is a significant amount. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, let's listen to her back in 2018 and hear what she had to say about the tax cuts of one thousand dollars. The, the in terms of the bonus that corporate America received versus the crumbs that they are giving to workers to kind of put the schmooze on is so pathetic. Okay. No, so that that was pathetic. Okay. That was pathetic. Now, that was back in 2018. So $1,000 in bonuses and tax cuts or in tax credits back then, those were crumbs and they were pathetic. So let's hear what she has to say now about the $600 that you're going to get 
from the COVID relief plan. We also have in the legislation uh, direct payments, which were not in the Republican bill, to America's working families. I would like them been bigger, but they are uh, significant and they will be going out soon. So see, $600 is a significant amount. I mean, when you look at all these other uh, these other things, I mean, to be honest with you, I think this is absolutely disgraceful. I think it's disgusting. The, these people that are that are up there on the hill, you, you people, I, I wouldn't even give you the dignity of allowing you to resign. I, I'd have you people arrested and tried before a court for crimes against the American people for garbage like this. Th- this, this is what you sent? You sat up there for days and, and weeks and debated over was this? And you call yourself a legislator? I call you a disgrace. People are sitting around kitchen tables trying to figure out where their next meal is going to come from. And you idiots have the audacity to sit up there and say that this is going to help American families, working American families. How about the families that aren't working? I just, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope with these people. I'm literally at the end of my rope with these people. I have absolutely no sympathy for you in the coming days. None. Hmm. They should be at the end of their rope as well. Yeah. All right. We're out of time. So thank you for sitting down today, Bruce. This will be our last podcast before the Christmas holiday. We will run probably a, uh, a rerun tomorrow. Not sure what it's going to be yet, but uh, it will be put out on Christmas Eve. And I mean, if you want to listen, please feel free to. Uh, but we will not be here on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. But uh, we will have something going out on Christmas Eve. And we will obviously be running into the weekend there. So we will not be back until Monday. Uh, and I, I do I do believe we will be back on Monday. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, I guess so. Um, OK, well, I wasn't sure what your your weekend plans were or anything like that. I, I didn't know. Uh, yeah. On my side of things, uh, but the only thing I have going on is Christmas. And then after that, it's uh, OK. I, I won't be doing anything for New Year's either. Uh, so. Well, to be fair, Bruce, New Year's is canceled, I think, because of COVID. So you're no, not going to be yeah. able to, to gather or anything like that. So uh, New Year's is canceled. But uh, anyway, yeah, rest assured, we will be back here on Monday after the holiday. So thank you for sitting down today, Bruce. And thank you to all the listeners for uh, for taking the time to listen to us today. So for those of you who'd like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. We love getting all of your feedback over there and your likes and your comments, and your echoes. You can get in contact with me over there at Anderson 3 or you can get in contact with Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you want to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at tips.dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates, especially if you're going to be around them during the holidays. Say, hey, here's a here's a free podcast you can subscribe to. Check us out. We would appreciate it if you would pass this along. We are available everywhere you get your podcasts with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could drop over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience or any other respective platform you listen to us on that has a rating system, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce, thank you for your time tonight. And to you and all the listeners, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.